Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. Ladies and gentlemen, we promised you all freaking summer that we'd be back. And I told you, I was told to never, ever make a promise I can't keep. Yet still... We're back, and we're better than ever. I've gotten rid of the dead weight. No more boss bill and unpaid bill and Sugar Steve and like, I'm kidding. Of course, the family's still here, but we're going to do a little bit different right now. This is officially the return of Questlove Supreme. Shout out to our new family on iHeartRadio. Hello to our new our new listeners on YouTube, Tidal, Apple, Spotify, wherever you uh, peep your podcast anchor. I will say that right now we are worldwide for the first time. A lot of you, we've heard your cries. Yes, we are officially worldwide. We're not just U.S. and Canada anymore. Another cause for celebration is our guest today. Five-time Emmy winner. People's Choice Webby, Writers Guild, Critics' Choice, and Grammy Award winning, which I I tried to make a word out of it, but it was just... (laughs) (laughs) So too many many consonants. (laughs) Exactly. Need more about. Most importantly, our guest today is a comic student. He is a Saturday Night Live legend. Still the coolest late night talk show host and a New York Times bestselling author. My bud, please welcome back to the return of Questlove Supreme, James T. <laughs> just, call me, just call me Jimmy. Just call me, just call me Jimmy. Wait, man. time out. What the hell does T stand for? Uh, T is your middle name, right? Tiberius. <laughs> no. Wait, I was like, what? <laughs> Captain Kirk. No, no. Uh, T is uh, Thomas. James Thomas Fallon. I never knew that we shared a, a root. Thompson Thomas. I I did not know you were Thomas. Okay. Do you have a middle name? You ready? Yeah. All right. So it's the pronounce, the, <laughs> the way that you say it is Khalib. Khalib? K-H-A-L-I-B. Amir Khalib. 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 Yes. Wow. Yeah. My, my parents were on some next next when, when I was born. Khalib. Khalib Thompson. Yes. Wow. That's which, wild. Which made me all the more just wanting to have a question mark 
for my name all my life. <laughs> that's the Exactly. But we went through your names once before. Like you've had, did, was it always Brother Brother Quest? All right. So when we first, when the group first started, um, I was, oh God. Just <laughs> say it. <laughs> yeah, you have to. Dude, that's, we all came from somewhere. Man. Oh, man. We all started somewhere. This. I don't want to admit this. All right. Okay. So, <laughs> oh man, just say it, dude. Oh man, <laughs> it kills you. This is like therapy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> what? what was, right. When you first my started. first my first name was Deaf Doe Money. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do something that I normally don't. I never, I never do like rapid fire questions. On this show, like it's always like you know the conversation. Yeah, like oh, so you were born in Brooklyn. Uh, yes, I know you were born in Brooklyn. I'm pretty sure that everyone pretty much knows your backstory. So, I, this is a question I always wanted to start with. What did you have for breakfast this morning? Uh, I had uh, uh, <laughs> pancakes. You had and you, syrup. You cooked them or you? No, I, I had a I had a meeting this morning. What but time I, do you wake up? Man, I don't want to wake up, but the kids wake me up. Uh, they, It's insane right now. I have a six-year-old and a four-and-a-half-year-old, and they get in bed around probably four in the morning, usually. Wait, just, what? I know, and I'm just like, dude, I got to sleep. But my oh, wife, They're going to be showbiz kids. My wife is like, no, no, they go to sleep at like seven or at night but in their room, but then at four in the morning, they walk into our bedroom and come into bed with me and my wife and just want to sleep in the bed with us. And I was like, we got to just tell them no, and they got to go back to the room. My wife's like, they won't do it forever. There's no, there's no f- <laughs> you know, 30-year-old kids sleeping with right. their parents. She's so like, yeah, eventually they figure it out. She goes, one day we'll be wanting our kids to come in and sit and lay. So anyway, so they come in around 4. I try to I toss and turn till about probably 7, and then we wake up around 6.37. Winnie's not of school age now. Is she in first grade yet? She's in first grade. And but, she still wants to get up at six in the morning. Oh yeah, so they get up at six in the morning. They play for like, like they're excited. And they love it. They play for an hour with like all their toys, and then we brush our teeth and that we have breakfast. We usually make them breakfast, but I, I didn't eat with them because I had to. But normally, uh, what I would do is you, you know what I've been doing is the gross uh, apple cider vinegar, uh, lemon hot water. I love that now. You do? And I, I'm used to it. Oh, I'm still not used to it. It's disgusting. It's like honestly painful for me. Really? To drink vinegar every morning? It sounds like torture. <laughs> Why that, would we do that to each other? Or do you put a little bit of honey in it? Yes, and I, it's still a hard. It's getting better a little bit for me, but I'm. I, I think I was maybe I was putting too much vinegar in mine. Oh, uh, okay. I was just drinking like hot vinegar. It was pretty gross, but I, but you do it every day. I look forward to it. You do, yeah. And I put cayenne pepper. Yeah, I do even. that and every now and then. I throw I throw that in there. But I. That, anyway, so that's normally I would not have breakfast. I would just have that. But uh, I had a meeting about the show today, so I had to go order something and just be rude. So your morning routine usually starts at seven. Yeah, and then because the thing is, is that sometimes I'll say most of the time, unless we're talking about a sketch or some sort of whatever the format of what we're going to do later, I never see you. So I never know what your morning routine is okay. from nine in the from eight in the morning till so like three or two. Yeah, because usually I'll say that. I used to, probably up until like a year and a half ago, I used to go to bed at 5 and then wake up at 9. But now I'm on a whole new 
regular schedule. Like God. this is the most regular I've ever been in, you know. My my girl won't allow me to go to bed at five. She wants it lights out <laughs> at eleven o'clock. Yeah. And no Soul Train on loop either. Like, wow! I've not watched Soul Train. Yeah, usually when I walk in the studio, me, you got Soul she, Train on loop. Dog, she 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 has me on. I <laughs> she has me on like maybe I'll I'll say like I I could probably do three episodes a week a week. That's it. I used to do three hundred a day. Gosh. Like, it just used to be my jukebox or that yeah. sort of thing, so. I, I go to bed as soon as I can. I go, we, I'm one of those people now, I go out to dinner. If I go out to dinner with Nancy, we go out at, like, I'm there at 5 o'clock. So you're like, I can't wait to go to sleep. I, I love sleep. I started, ah, I hate, I mean, I'm afraid that sleep is, I feel like me saying, like, oh, man, I can't wait to go to bed. It's a waste like, of time. Well, no, I just feel like it's it's me admitting that I'm getting up there. Like I used to be proud to like ah five days in a row I've been I up. No, dude, we have. Remember Grace Jones just came on the show and she goes, I go, uh, what, uh, she goes, what are you doing tonight? And I go, this is it. I mean, I'm going home. I'm probably just gonna eat something, and go to bed. <laughs> She's like, oh man. I go, you're not doing this. She's like, no, I got a, I got a show tonight, and then after the show we're going to uh something some club. I go, you still got a clubs? She's like, yeah. Oh yeah. I go, what time do you get home? She's like, I don't know, four or five. She's like, I don't know what's wrong with this generation. No, we'll go to bed too early. I'm like Grace Jones, <laughs> still go stays out till yeah. five in the morning. Yeah, I go. Oh my god, I wouldn't even know what to do. I would have no clue. Well, yeah, I, I'm just I, I love sleep now, and I hate to admit that I love oh, sleep. It's the greatest thing. That's the one thing you can get me for my birthday or for Christmas or anything like you can get sleep. Me. Oh, I would love sleep, man. That would be the best. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, you know, there's coupon. I, one time I thought Tariq was joking. But he had these coupons made for like un- uninterrupted. No, Tariq fix this or Dad, I need help with that. Like that was his birthday gift. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I did that with my parents when I was a kid. Seriously, I made them coupons. Yeah, where I'm like, oh, so they could leave you alone, or no, you could- so I could leave them alone or help them out. Like you use this coupon whenever you want me to go. Like I'll you know wash the car, or I'll do whatever, or I'll do. Oh, instead of just regular regular chores. regular chores. Yeah, exactly like that. Ah. Uh. All right, so you, of course, mentioned your your dad's affinity and love for um, doo-wop music. Oh, yeah. yeah we, I grew up with it. Loved it. What's the first single do you remember purchasing? Oh, man. Non-doo-wop or just in general? First 45? So, like, his record collection was your record collection? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that, yeah. All right, okay. so what was your favorite of his, of his record collection? Of I your remember dad's trying stuff? to learn harmony. To the song called Zoom. It goes like, like Zoom, 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 Zoom. Dip, 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 zoom, 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 Zoom. Dip, 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 Zoom, 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 Zoom. Dip, 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 dip. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> it's the same, the same format. I've never I heard that song in my life, but I knew you where know, the song yeah, was going. So I, so I was trying to, so he would try to teach me and my sister to sing Zoom so we could like harmonize and be like, you know, I don't know the Osmonds or whatever. Some talent. Which one were you, Jimmy, Jimmy Osmond or <laughs> I was Donnie, man? Oh, okay, Donnie. No, I was Marie. Uh, but uh, I was. Uh, it's like so. My sister immediately was like, "I'm out. I don't even. I don't get harmony. I don't like this. I, I'm out of the out of the group." But me and my dad, Glory the Rebel. I we, yeah, Glory was the Rebel. So me and my dad could sing Zoom pretty well, uh, and so that I was just, I would just start learning all these harmonies and. 
uh, then getting into the trickier harmonies and trying to like, I mean, I just loved it. I just so would he would he go to all those like Dick Fox productions of like at Westbury Music Fair doo wop yeah stuff kind and- of yeah we I grew up in Saugerties New York which is upstate by Kingston Poughkeepsie Woodstock mm-hmm. that area so there was a place called uh, Ulster uh, Performing Arts Center UPAC and, yeah and they would have oldie shows there mm-hmm. and so I would go to see my first concert concert was Weird Al Yankovic but my first kind of venture into concert was with the whole family we went to a doo-wop show and i saw like uh oh gosh uh, you know I, 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 chances to... are it was a dick fox production yeah I, I larry chance and the earls were there yeah i saw joey d and the starlighters and the starlighters Side note, all right, so not many people know that Hendrix used to play in Joey D and the Starlighters. What? Yeah, Hendrix, Joey always tells that story, like, when when I see him. Joey D had a son that was in the Starlighters, that was my age. And so at one point in 1985, my dad had this idea, like, okay, we're going to get Joey D's son, Gary U.S. Bond's daughter, but my middle name is Mr. Right, right. His two nieces, my sister and I. It was like a it was like an eight eight kid group of all doo wop legends, and they they wanted to call it Ubi, the next generation. Oh, like nineteen eighty five, like re redo doo wop and call it Ubi. Well, I don't know if we were redoing doo-wop, but it was just a thing like, let's put a super group together of all like the the legends. We did one session at the studio that's now, that used to be Sony on 54th and 11th Avenue. So somewhere in their files in 1986, there's like a four song oldies doo-wop demo from the legends of doo-wop. I think that was like my first studio session ever. No way. Yeah. And was I, it acapella? Was it doo-wop or was it No, music? we we played. Like I I drummed and See, I could see that working, but that's because I think I grew up brainwashed that doo-wop was the only music they out thought, there. They thought, right, right. My parents tricked me as well cuz Well, my dad was in Vietnam, so he would like he had these reel-to-reel tapes of him and his group on the ship singing doo-wop. So I always thought that Vietnam everyone sang doo-wop songs. And then I'm watching these movies, I watch Apocalypse Now or whatever, and I'm, right. No one's singing any doo-wop. And I'm like, I'm hearing like the doors and right. you know, did, I go, what is this music? Like, I, I know for a fact people sang doo-wop. On the, she turns out my dad was just like a nerd. Jimmy, no, we got tricked, man. <laughs> we got tricked, right? Because in, in my first grade class, my first homework assignment was bring in your favorite 45. The next day, everyone came in with contemporary stuff. Andy Gibbs, I just want to be everything. Disco Duck. Rick D's. Yeah, Rick D's, all that stuff. And I came in with Why Do Fools Fall in Love? Wow. Why do fools fall in love? 
and my teachers were like, oh, this is from my era. And none of the kids knew my record. Yeah. And... You're like, wait a second. Right. My teacher explained, like, well, Amir, like, when I was your age, this is what I listened to. And I'm looking like, how come this isn't resonating with you guys? This happened to me, but such later in life. I was like, I was actually in in high school or college. People do that now. I remember at one point, uh, Kamal decided that he was going to make his kids think that Michael Jackson's Off the Wall was a brand new album. So I I know kids that do that now, like just put their kids in a time warp and don't listen. You know, there's nothing really. Yeah. Did it work? Um, for a little bit. Well, it's weird now because I'll say that of all the Roots kids, Kamal's kids are the weirdest. Yeah. His daughter. Now, I, as 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 of this taping, uh, your your Grateful Dead experience will be over. But um, Kamal's oldest daughter is, and she I think she just turned twenty. She's like a total deadhead. Like How? she knows American Beauty. She went to college one year, and ah. then they just put her on to like the first four Grateful Dead records because she had all of... these quotes on her social media. I'm like, wait a minute, what do you know about Jerry Garcia, dude? I'm, I'm I think it's changed my life a little bit. I've never listened to him at all, and I'm, I'm really into it. I dig it. I get it. All right, I totally get it. And then Kamal's son is straight up country. What? Yo, <laughs> no. I think your kids, your kids are going to be the total opposite of what you are, which explains it because even Kirk's Kirk's son is into like the hardest trap music of all time. Really. Like when when certain acts come on the show and Kirk's son doesn't show up, I'm like, "Yo, you didn't want to see da 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 da." He'd be like, "Nah, that's too commercial for me." I'm like, "What?" Like, he likes underground stuff. He if it's if it's if it's too mainstream, he won't he won't mess with it. I just realized I got to teach Winnie how to dance because she, we went to this Halloween party and they're like, first grader dance competition. Who wants to dance?" And she goes, "Oh, I have to go, Dad. It's first grade. It's a dance competition." I'm like. Do you really know how to dance? <laughs> and dude, they played like everybody dance now, and she just stood there and kind of like walked back and forth. It was really <laughs> stiff. Dude, it was, and the dude next to her was like doing backspins and flips and like moonwalking. And I was like, oh my gosh, my kid does not know how to dance. I got a teacher. Have dance. your kids discovered YouTube yet? No. Yeah, it's like they got it. I mean, YouTube's a slippery slope because you don't want them controlling like what the search they option is. I was watching one thing and I just said, "Hey, maybe no more YouTube because it was no it was like adults moving toys around and doing voices for dolls like That's it. Dude, and they were obsessed with this show and it's like it's the any parent out there knows what I'm talking about. It's the creepiest thing ever. There's like a hand will hold like a, a Paw Patrol doll and be like, "Hey, what are you doing?" "Oh, I'm blah, blah. and they play with dolls. And the kids just watch it like like it's them playing with dolls, and it's the it goes on for hours on a loop on YouTube. And, and kids like it. I don't know how they found it, but they loved it. And I was like, "Oh, dude, we got to take this. We got to watch have something with the beginning, middle, end, a plot, anything. You could watch anything, but not this. What's it called? I have no idea what it's called, but I, I almost want to sue these people. <laughs> I was like, I don't like it. I don't want it in my house. No, you 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 just got to show her a bunch of dance clips on. Well, I don't on even YouTube. know how to play music for for them because it's just like Alexa or, you know, or you know, show them Soul Train. I should. I got to get put on. Trust me, 
a, a good Soul Train clip, they will emulate it. That's how everyone in America learns how to dance. That's it. Yes, that's how they learn. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Schmurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segee, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Hey, do you remember the first mixtape you ever made for someone? Yeah. Yeah, it was a big deal. How long did it take you to craft it? Oh, I mean, pressing play, record, and pause, and having the record start up. And it wasn't even a great mixtape. It was just my stuff, which is all weird stuff. And I would take because I had this thing when I was a kid that I didn't, and this is, you could ask my sister, I wouldn't let anyone copy my music. Why? Because I thought it would uh, affect the record industry. Wait, what? Because <laughs> I must have seen someone talk about it on TV or something. So I said, 
you're going to ruin the record industry if you record a song. If you take my song, you have to buy the record. You can't just take the song off of my record that I bought. That's going to ruin the industry. And my sister was like, you're the worst. You're the weirdest kid. And so I would have to take my music to the party. I play my mixtape. Then I take the tape home. I would just I would own my my mixtapes. You wouldn't give it to no one. No, no. no one. Shut up, Bill. No. All right, one. boss. Bill's in the other room. Like, yes, I agree with you. <laughs> right, right. I would. I would. I wouldn't give it to anyone. Not even my sister. I'm like, absolutely Man, not. I was the opposite. I feel I am Spotify. Like the 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 amount of work I don't have to do now in the age of streaming is mind-boggling because back when you had to make mixtapes and mix CDs you'd have to listen to the whole song I was the guy you had to come to to make whatever like I was the king of mixtape making but you never made a mixtape for anyone well I mean I might have done like earlier because I, I remember I used to listen to the radio all the time that was like I loved it I had a boombox uh, and I, I'm trying to think of the brand the brand name of my boombox, I forget. I mean, I, I remember it in my brain looking at it. I used to listen to this radio station, have play, record, and pause just there, just in case. A song came on the radio? Ghostbusters was my jam. I was like, Ray Parker Jr., Ghostbusters, if I hear that. And you could hear it. I would run over and like try to record it. And I was like, oh. So, or, and then like I remember listening to another, like my dad would play radio, and I would bring the boombox over to his speaker so that I could record the song from his speaker onto my cassette player so that I can tape it that way. Like if there was like a special Beatles thing, I was really into the Beatles at one point. Right. So I had those type of mixtapes, and then I, I remember listening to Dr. Demento. Do you know him at all? That's how Weird Al got his start, right? Yeah. Okay. He's just he's what, DJ. What was the legend of Dr. Demento? He played novelty songs and novelty records, so any comedy song. There was a whole mess whole different they don't do it anymore as much but in the 70s especially in the 80s uh it was all comedy joke songs like uh that was the birth of weird al but it was like steve martin you know doing king tut that was like right. a, that charted that that's yeah. oh yeah disco that duck record. yeah the disco duck was a hit song but that's a novelty record all these like but do you remember so like, he would just play novelty records do you remember the coasters they had that song while driving in the Cadillac, what the na, na, na. it was called beep beep, and then beep, beep. by the end of the song it gets faster. So it's like beep 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 beep. The horn went beep beep beep, and now I'm going to 110. So it was like a song about a race, but the song it was not a real. It was it was like a novelty song, but it was a hit. Really? And it was, yeah, so all these songs, so he would play all these kind of weird songs like that, and very, uh, it was very more 70s than anything else, but I would listen to that Sunday nights and, and, and just try to record all these funny songs and then see if I could start writing them myself. So you write them down and perform them in school my the first next day? Song, I, my first parody song I ever wrote was awful. But what it was, was it? What's, uh, your, what's your defto money? Oh, this is bad. Do you remember um, King Kong Bundy? Was a rapper? Uh, he's a wrestler. WWE. Yeah, King Kong Bundy. Yeah. So I did. I I wish it was King Kong Bundy instead of Manic Monday. Like I wish it was King Kong Bundy. Oh, oh. <laughs> that would be a fun day or whatever. And it was like it was awful. And I remember writing it like uh, and I had my eraser, my paper mate, eraser mate, uh, and uh, like rewriting the lyrics. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm writing like I'm gonna be weird out. 
And that's what I and I remember writing it. It was just I thought it was so clever and fun. I then I was too embarrassed. I couldn't play it for anybody. What year of Weird Al did you see? What period? It was uh, Dare, Dare to, to Be, be stupid. stupid. The Dare to Be Stupid tour. I had a teal concert tee, no sleeve concert tee. That's what I. That's what I bought. <laughs> what was I doing? I just I wanted to be. You know, this is pre Zach Morris, but I was like, I, I I would have that or, oh gosh, my wardrobe. I was trying to be as fashionable as I could as a kid and. You know, growing up in Saugerties, New York. With was like, this you and Gerard together going to this concert, or no? Was Gerard, he in the picture back then, or Gerard was there? He was, but he was not. He, no, he wasn't. He wasn't my best friend yet. Okay, but okay. now Gerard, you're talking about Gerard Bradford, who works yeah. on our show as a producer. And uh, but I, I we yeah, we started hanging out more. Uh, I'd say probably end of high school when we like getting into the Beastie Boys and started like we had a bad we had a fake rap group that was terrible. What was the name of the group? We were called the Minutemen. <laughs> and I don't know why, and we, not even knowing there already was a punk band called the Minutemen, we we were we just thought and his, oh I can't even tell you it's honestly this is worse than uh, Def 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 Do Money, dude. My name was uh, Jim Hat, and <laughs> <laughs> the room is exploding dude, back there. I, I was like Jim Hat with that b boy style. To the left, I was going wild. Uh, uh, dude, it was awful. And I thought, cause Jim Hat. What Jim am Hat, I? No, like that makes logical sense. Ugh, Jim I, wanted, Hat. I wanted to be Colgate. I thought that would be a cool rap name. Colgate. Yeah. Like the, I thought people could, you know, have the logo on the shirt, like the toothpaste. And Do the, they still make Colgate? Yeah, they have to. Is right? Colgate still a. I don't, you know, one day. Like whenever I land in LAX, the first stop I make is that I go to the pharmacy to do the trial size stuff, like things I need toothbrush, toothpaste. <laughs> and I was just noticing like brands that only exist there. Well, no, well brands that I thought were out of, you know, like <laughs> Safeguard or <laughs> like yeah, they Prell, still- <laughs> like seventies brands. Yeah, Came. They like- they still they exist in trial size. So what other what other concerts did you go to when you were younger? Uh, uh, Weird Al, I saw. Um, oh gosh, it was at UPAC. So I'm, um, there was that group that sang. Um, gosh, Expose. Come go with me. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You saw Expose concert. Saw Expose. Yeah. <laughs> there was. They had a song that was really. I loved it. It wasn't Come Go with Me, but it was uh, Point of No Return. Yes. To the point of no return. Oh, 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 you're taking me. Right. Yeah. And they had Seasons Change. Seasons Change. I love that song. I was a member of Columbia House. Me too. Me too. But I was the. I would never return the. All right, so for those that don't know what Columbia House is, oh, your kids, you missed out. If you, yeah, this this was our Spotify. You uh. you were basically, they will offer you uh, twelve uh, cassettes or CDs for a penny. You would tape scotch tape a penny, scotch tape a penny to the to the order form. Um, pick your pick your twelve CDs or cassettes you wanted, and then for an extra three, uh, for an additional three records, you had to. I forgot what the check was like for you know for a dollar ninety eight more you can get three more see so you can get fifteen all together for under the low low price of three bucks something like that yeah and then you were part of this club in which every month they would send you product and you had 
Yeah, like two weeks two, to mail it back. Not even, yeah, like something like that. Yeah, you either liked it or mail it back. If you kept it, it was like 20 bucks a, a record. Yeah, if you kept it, it was definitely like seventeen ninety nine or something like that. But if you mailed it back, it, and I think between that and the first two years of trying to catch Michael Jackson videos on MTV was how I developed my vocabulary for pop music because I would never mail back Debbie Gibson's Out of the Blue or <laughs> or, or I, I Tiffany's I, first record. I think I got tricked into that one too, yeah. The that, Debbie I know it. You know what? I think she thinks I'm being sarcastic. Like, I'm cool with her now, but in the beginning, I think in her mind it was like, what, you, you're trying to troll me? What You're saying that, yeah, my first. I was like, yeah, I, I had Out of the Blue. I had Electric Youth. I, oh, I was Electric like, Youth. I was, I, like, I was naming Electric her first four. Electric Youth. Right. I was like, no, I really, I was I was a fan of yours. And she was just looking like, okay, where's, where's, where's the, where's Ashley? Oh, yeah, exactly, right. She's cool, though, right? She didn't believe it. Well, she didn't believe it for the longest, but then I think she realized, like, oh, you are a dwarf. But I, I, every album back then, I loved it, even if it, it had, like, one hit song in there. I remember I was trying to – I didn't know what music I was going to be into. Right. So I tried every type of genre and going, like, oh, maybe I'm into metal. Is it? Really? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, dude, maybe I should, like, worship the devil. <laughs> No, like, what am I talking about? I'm an, I'm, an, I'm an altar boy. I think it's, I think the weird thing is that I think between 12 and 17, you're open to anything, which, you know, I can't, like, now I really have the patience to, like, sift through records and see what I'm into. And the way that I used to back in the day, like, I would listen to an entire Miami Sound Machine record, whether I liked the song or not. Me too. Because you didn't want to go up to the cassette and fast forward. Okay, I don't like this song. What's what else is next? like? You would just play the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. They were like, yeah, I don't want to have to. Which, it's easier to lift the needle and move that back. But no, I, I would listen to the whole album. Then I'd like the B sides. I would know what song follows what song too in order. See, that explains why sometimes when an artist comes on, and then you ask for the deep cut, and I'm like, wait a minute, what? What about the hit? The the hit joint? And you like, nope, I want the. Yeah, that's the secret one that you go like, oh, like, uh, like if you buy Cindy Lauper, you sing "She Bop." You know, it's like that's the, that's the secret song off of, uh, right, uh, the girl. Uh, what's that? She's forget. so unusual. She's so unusual. Right, right. Do you have a top five like performances on the show? For us, God, there's so much now. We've been done. We've done so many shows now. It's crazy. I mean, you. you I, I have counting? a top five. I have a top five of me performing and a top five of me watching. Was one of your top five recently? Dog. Dude. Steve Miller? I almost... Sometimes it's it's hard not to... Because I'm so connected to music and the memories that it brings on. Because whenever I hear Fly Like an Eagle, I instantly think about the first month of school. And I'm thinking of, like, my parents not conning me. Like, okay, we're going to take you to this brown building... And you're going to stay in here for the next seven hours, and then we're going to come and get you at three o'clock. And like, you know, like I, I was just never explaining the concept of school. It's just like, huh? Wait, I'm playing with them. And so, I think during like one of those explanations, it was the radio was just playing like Billy Davis and Marilyn McCoo's "You Don't Have to Be a Star." Oh yeah, um, I love. And, that. and then like, were you uh, AM radio at this point or this FM? Uh, you know what? So Philly. 
Philly was really good with FM radio. On the weekends, though, um, FM radio turned uh, religious, and then you'd have to live and listen to AM radio. So we'd have to switch to Wizard 100. And the thing is, is that I lived in a don't-touch-my-stereo household. Yeah. So, again, a, a big part of my palate is the fact that I had to listen to what my sister wanted to listen to and what my dad... I didn't control the car radio, nor... In my bed, you know, the room that my sister and I shared. So, like, I just remember, like, I remember pressing, like, being able to press the button in my dad's car. That would it would be a plastic, hard plastic button that you would actually switch the station. You would see the the the, the yeah piece yeah of yeah plastic right. zip to the one side right, and I actually tune. I mean, this is pre-digital, you right. know, scan and seek for stuff. It was actually you press the button and you would feel like gears moving. <laughs> it's like right to the radio station moving. that you wanted. Yeah, and like I was like, oh, and I, just to hope to hear like the Rolling Stones or something like that. And yeah, so fly like an eagle oh, was yeah. definitely. Dude, you crushed that one, and that, I was like, dude, I actually had to look over to see what your face was doing because usually I can't see the drummer. I was doing every. I had two moments in which I kind of had a I might cry moment. It was awesome, dude. It was honestly, it just clicked. Like, because you did the first, like, yeah, the space. I had to beg for those extra, because at first they were like uh, three minutes and 30 seconds, you know? And I was yeah. like, wait a minute, guys. Not for this one. You don't understand. Like, the most important part of the song is like the the, the, the beginning. We, we got to do that. So, so it was so, oh, yeah. dude, I, I, I didn't want it to end. And he was having fun. Yeah. And he was having, and he was so looking, because, you know, we have these guys on that, like, they don't play with anyone else but their band. And they're jaded and... And they're, they're like, ah, oh, well, look, it's right. almost feel like they're cheating on their band, but then when they see how much love and how much work you guys put into that song, like, Eddie Grant. Dude, oh, dude, I he, forgot. He was so nervous. I know. He was so nervous. Like, <laughs> Jimmy, I, I, I don't. I only play with my band. I, I, I'm, I, I mean, these guys are great, but I don't know them, and, you know, to, to play with my song, uh, you know, Electric Avenue. And so he, he goes, do you remember you brought a harmonica? Yes. I've, oh, did you wait? When, when we're sound checking, are you watching on close so, circuit? Sometimes I'm watching. Ah, damn it! Sometimes I am, but sometimes I like to be surprised. But I, so yeah, I, during sound check, it was like a ten minute version, and we're like looking at each other, like he's like playing the harmonica to Electric Avenue, like who is to blame? And <laughs> I was like, dude, stop playing. So I saw him, and he goes, "Yeah, I, I'm just gonna bring this just in case." I go, Eddie, you don't need a harmonica. The roots will. Got you covered. Trust me, man. It's gonna be fun. And he did the song. Didn't do harmonica. And it crushed. It was great. And I went over to say thank you for being on the show. I went to shake his hand. And what was in his hand? That harmonica. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just in case. You know what? It is? It's also like a big part. I'm I'm always nervous about the legend because one, you don't want to ruin like the thought in your head of like uh, what's it going to be or what's it not going to be. It's it's just that. Sometimes, all right, I, I'll admit, we had one guest that walked away. Do you remember? Yeah. Cindy? Think, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's because I think, okay, in our minds, in their minds, it's like, okay, I'm going to play with the roots. So they think, like, I'll take my song and filter it through, and I'll rootsify it. Like, that's the one word I we hear the most inside the rehearsal room. Like, you know, don't do not do the normal version. Like, rootsify it. No. And I'm like, dude, what you don't get is that us rootsifying it is doing it just like your album version. That is rootsify, because we, we want the 
Dude, yes. I mean, we want the exact sound. We want Eddie Grant to go out in the streets. It's like, <laughs> if he, if he, yeah, he doesn't want to do that anymore. He goes, I don't do that. I haven't done that for 25 years. He goes, yeah. Bring it back. It, that's the part of the song that we love those little nuggets, those little, those awesome little eggs, those Easter eggs where you're like, oh, no, that's the one part you got to do. Like, right. Like, on uh, the dark side of town. Yeah. Or so, I was yeah. like, you didn't do that. And he was like, uh. Or yeah. Like when we have, uh, it was a crowded house or something came on. I'm like, all I want to hear is that bass line go, there is freedom in it. If you don't hit that bass line, and that just, just ruins that. I need that. It's part of my whole thing of loving that song. It's like, but we usually hit it like 99% of the time. Right. We convince the people to, like, come on, you got to do that part. And like, oh, I don't hit that note anymore. It's like, yeah, but try it. Just go for it, man, because trust me, we'll get your back. And then they do it, and it scores. Well, uh, probably the one humorous moment for us was definitely in the air tonight where. <laughs> that was the only time I saw you being nervous. Dude, twice twice in my life, <laughs> I've that. talked myself into major sabotage. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't helping, though. Like I, well, see, I didn't know about meditation back then. What I should have been doing was basically deep breathing, get out of your head. Just hit these three times the way you've always done it all your life in the basement. And for some reason, right when Phil Collins is like, and I remember, and I was like, don't mess up, don't mess up. I remember, don't worry. All right, don't fuck up, don't fuck up. How could I ever? I'm looking at Jimmy. Jimmy's looking. The first I actually time. Left, I went from behind my desk to the front to look at your face. I know. And I'm looking at the bandstand for the Roots members now on stage. Silence up. Oh, boy. Don't use and fool me. Oh, damn. Camera three's looking at me. The hurt doesn't show. I'm looking at the pain still grows. Sustained as it do to me. Here it comes. And I hit that symbol. And was just drop a stick or something? No. My ride symbol. Oh, yeah. I fell. I fell down. Dude, it was the best. My right symbol fell. So the thing it was, it like I, broke I, in pieces. I was going to let it slide and just be like, ah, I'm going home. I failed. And then shout out to Sugar Steve. Steve is like, no, man, I can't let this happen. We're going to fix this. And I was like, well, we can't go back and tape it. Like, it's over. And he says, I bet you they have sound check on tape. So we basically spent at least an Two hour hours. editing. Like Paul Simon. Oh God! You remember that? <laughs> he was here. Till, he was there till five in the morning. We're we're the only show that uh, gives that autonomy, like gives that power to guests to come and edit their own thing and mix their own thing. Yeah. Any other show, like I've done Letterman, where I'm like, okay, so we want reverb on you know, verse two. Oh, and it's out already. And they're like, it's already in Burbank. Can't touch it. Right. They're like, <laughs> nope. It's, it's gone. That's it, done. It is what it is. And we let everyone like go in, listen to it, mix it. But usually we have the right sound between you know we Steve we have the best Lawrence. sound i feel like we have the best sound mixing and engineering yeah that but paul, simon, paul simon stayed up until right before his segment which is unheard of right no we were nervous because i like, do we got to deliver the show and this is when we were doing twelve thirty-five. right so we had an extra hour but it was like i think it was up to like it, it was actually up to midnight right it was right two commercials before he before was actually th- coming three minutes on he spent <laughs> We taped it five or six? Right. And he engineered it like it was a real song? For five hours. It must be the best engineered song of all time. I don't even, I, I kind of remember what it was. That wasn't the one with Stomp, was it? We don't even remember. That's the thing. It's just, 
Now, yeah. now I got to go back in the archives and. But he and, really spent the time on that one. But but then the, back to the Phil Collins thing because you mm-hmm. ended up nailing it on when you see it on TV because oh man a pack of lies. Yeah, that that to me that that was a moment. Um, that, I mean, I love that. I love Jim James. I was from Late Night. I love that. That's right. He did another life. What, all, all of his presentations. What, whenever uh, Jim James comes on. Uh, I also liked when you guys come on, when the Roots come on, and we spend extra time like making a production, and it's actually uh, it's almost like a music video, or a musical, or yeah, a musical. Yeah, my three moments from that. I don't know why. Once I realized that we had a lot of. I didn't realize the power of how Dave is as as a director, Dave Dometti, and yeah. and and directing and doing tricks and all those things. So I thought, like, I wondered how we could pull off a song that makes us look like we're playing in slow motion, like the Beastie Boys always do. Yeah, like if the "So What You Want" video was like the 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 impetus of it, like of them performing and you hearing the song in real time, but it's like them doing it in slow motion. So. When Usher was on the show, yep, you know I knew it was going to confuse the audience. Like we had to do that Usher song, like Chipmunks, dude. It was like, and he's dancing really super fast, and and he caught, and he caught, like he was dancing in rhythm. That's the thing. I thought, like, do you need to practice this? Like, do you need to? How did he do? Figure that? out your splits and everything. It looks so weird, and so you're almost laughing at him, right? You're but like, then when you watch it. It was oh, it's magical, dude. He's like slow motion, doing the perfect dance moves and singing on the you know on the right. Singing key. exactly right, yeah. It was insane. That was uh, that was a cool moment. Yeah, the second time Tyler Tyler the Creator did uh, "See You Again" with Caliuchis, and he created oh, yeah this. It was almost like a, a surreal musical, but it's it's to me that was like a moment. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? 
Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Dude, we, we, we have to talk about Prince. There's... <laughs> There's two there's things. So many, there's so many. Yeah, for me, the, the the best part of the craziest memory is definitely the the ping pong. Well, the moment. ping pong story, but it even goes on before that. Do you remember bringing me on stage at the garden? Oh, Madison Square Garden. So uh, Chris Rock comes on and he goes, he goes, blah blah blah. He goes, well, of course, Prince is my favorite concert. I go, I've never seen him. He goes, you've never seen Prince. Like you, you love music, and you've never seen Prince in concert. What, what are you talking about? How could you even say that you're a fan of what do you? I can't talk to you until you see Prince, all right? And so I go, all right, I gotta go see Prince. And you're like, oh, dude, I can't believe you haven't seen him. So, anyways, I go to the garden uh-huh. to see Prince, and he is unbelievable. He really is. I remember Madonna was at the concert in the audience watching Prince, just wow. stone faced, just going like, wow, I gotta up my game. Uh-huh. He's just so magical, and she's great too. Yeah, he was uh, so. He's crushing it, and Prince's manager, or whoever this was, came up to me and said, Kiran, yeah. Hi, I'm uh, Prince's manager. I don't even think it was Kiran. It was someone that said, like, Prince would really love you to get on stage at the end of the concert and dance with him. Like, he gets a bunch of celebrity friends and right. to go on stage and dance with him at the end. I go, ah, that's not really my thing. I'm not really a big dancer, but thank you. So I'll just watch the concert. Next song, someone else comes up. I was like, hi, how you doing? Uh, I work for Prince's a management. A different person? Yeah, a different person. They go, <laughs> Prince would really love for you. I go, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, it's not really my thing. I, and I don't even think he really wants me to dance with him. Anyways, so that happens to me maybe two more times during the whole concert. Yeah, they were End of the concert, I'm like, I see you. Because I didn't see you for the whole concert. I go, what's up, dude? And you go, I'm going to get on stage at the end of the concert. I go, oh, if you're getting up there, I'll go up with you then. So they go, all right. So you get up. I get up. You go behind a drum set. Yeah. And as I get up, you get behind a drum set. Prince leaves. His key, his, he's on a keyboard or something, and it goes in, sinks into the stage. Inside of the stage. And I could see him down there almost getting in his limousine right there. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm looking around, and there's no one else on stage dancing but me. Right. It's just me dancing, and you're playing. I go, oh my, this is exactly why I don't say yes to this stuff. So I think it kind of started there. And then when Prince came on the show, it was always fun. Right. So Prince came on the show, and his, uh, it probably is Kieran, his manager. Yeah, yeah. Says, hey, Prince would really like to play ping pong on the show. So we go, okay. We don't really play ping pong. We play beer pong. But if he wants to play ping pong, that's fine. Then he calls back and he goes, you know what? Prince does not want to play beer pong on the show. He doesn't want to play uh, ping pong. We go, okay, whatever. He just come on, play music. As long as he has fun, we're good. He calls back. He goes, Prince does want to play ping pong. We, we rethought about it. We go, oh, okay, we'll have it ready to go just in case. Calls back. He goes. He doesn't. He wants to play ping pong, but he doesn't want to play it on camera. He wants to do. It. And I go, "What's your obsession?" He goes. He just thinks Jimmy would be fun to play ping pong with. I go, "Whatever. We'll have it ready to go if he wants to play backstage. Whatever, man." So he comes on the show. Never brings up ping pong. Doesn't even mention it. All right. Uh, just comes on, plays. He's great, and he and he leaves. Uh, and it was great show, and it was awesome. I go. That was interesting. So I tell the story on the show about the whole ping pong thing, and I go. By the way. Prince, if you're watching, I would probably kick your ass in ping pong or something like that. <laughs> right. Know? Just joking around. So then I think that week I'm at the dinner. Right. And so this is the this is the rare night. No. This is when Winnie was oh. Winnie, Winnie was being born. So I get a call 
it was around that time. I just remember, like, it was any moment, you know what I mean? And I get a call at 10 p.m. Now, I think I was sick this night because this is one of the rare times I was in bed at, like, 10.30 p.m. Yeah. On a school night or whatever. And they're like, uh, Prince wants to play Jimmy. Now it's Susan Sarandon's uh, ping pong spot. Yeah, spin. Spin. And I was just like, oh, man, you know, he's about to have a kid. Da, 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 da. So, um, yeah, I'll let him know. And then, like, a minute later, they're like, well, he's, uh, you know, he, he's down to do it right now if, you know, available. And I was like, oh, maybe I didn't get the message. I was like, no, no, no. Uh, Jimmy's about to have a kid. So, uh yeah, it's my, you know, he might be busy or whatever. And then a minute later, he says, okay, well, uh, just name the time and place and, you know, he'll be there. And I'm like, oh, they're just not listening or not taking no for an answer. Yeah. So I was like, I'm not going to answer this. So I, I went to bed for like 20 minutes and I opened my eyes and I was like, all right, well, let me at least tell Jimmy. So then I texted you. I said, hey, uh, Prince wants to play you in ping pong. So I had no idea of this whole exchange that you just went through. I said, for some strange reason, he wants to play in ping pong at Susan Sarandon's spot. And I told him that you're tied up with baby stuff. So uh, anyway, just passing the message along. Cool. I had no idea that you were going to answer that message. Yeah, because I, I was out to dinner that night. Okay. I wasn't because it wasn't yet. It was close to when it was close to. I knew any moment that it was any moment. I had to be on the ready for Winnie to be born. But I was like out to dinner that night. I'm like, what? And then I got a text from his manager or something. So you gave him. Did it happen that night or the next night? It It happened soon. I think it happened that night. Right. Because I got a text from their manager. Right. And saying like, hey, this is Prince's manager. Prince is at Spin. He wants to play you in ping pong right now. So I go. (laughs) It's the weirdest thing. I go. Uh, so I told him first time I'm having dinner with him, like, all right, I got to go, man. Prince wants to play me in ping pong, and I'm going to go meet him at the spin at Susan Sarandon's club. So I, I, I leave, I, I, you know, get in a cab, and I go down the spin, and I go out. I go into the door, I go down the steps, and there's a girl working there, and I go, hi, um, I'm I'm here to see, uh, and she goes, Prince? I go, yeah. She goes, he's right behind the curtain. He's in the, the private room over there. I go, all right, so I go and there's a, there's they have a, a velvet private room. There's a velvet rope and a and a curtain, and I go past the rope and I open the curtain, and he's Prince is standing there in a crushed blue velvet suit, uh, wearing the high heeled right shoes and and he's holding a ping pong paddle. Whole paddle. And he looks at me. He goes, "You ready for this?" <laughs> and I go, "Oh my gosh!" I go, "I guess so." Sure. He goes, "You want to warm up?" I go. Uh, yeah, I warm up a little bit. Like in my head, I don't even play ping pong. So right. I don't even know what he's talking about. Right. I, so we start warming up a little bit. I think he had two friends in the room. He goes, Everybody leave. Everyone go. go. So it's just me and Prince. Right. So everyone had to leave the room. So it was just me and Prince, and nobody else. And I goes, All right, uh, you ready? I go, Let's start. So he hits the first. He's like, Hits it over, and it goes, and it just, it was a good shot. And I didn't hit it back. He goes, One zip. I go, oh, you can talk smack already. Like, this is going to happen for 21 points. Let's do this, man. Let's go, Prince. So I, I go, so we start playing, and, you know, hitting back and forth. It was, it's, uh, he's crushing me. So I think now it's like 20 to 10 or something like that. He's killing me. And he goes, uh, game point. I go, let's, let's go, man. And he hits the shot, and it's like, and it's like beautiful. 
perfect shot. And the ping pong spinning. Spit flames coming off it. And it hits the it hits that corner of the table that's just impossible to hit the, the yeah. ball. You know what I'm talking about? Like uh-huh. the perfect shot. And went, it went flying behind me. And I go, ah, you won, you won. And I go and I'm looking in the background trying to find the ball. And I pick up the ball. And I turn around. And he's gone. <laughs> and he's not there. And I don't know him that well so I thought maybe he was hiding or something no. so I'm like Prince Prime Prince Prince so I'm like looking under the ping pong table like there's security footage I look like a crazy I'm, I was like is he hiding behind a curtain I don't know him I don't know his type of sense of humor he's funny but I was like so then I look and kind of the rope is kind of moving almost like Batman yeah you know? <laughs> and the door is swiveling yeah 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 the wind so I go to the girl I go did he she goes yeah he left I go Okay. So then I went up and up the stairs on the street. So me being notoriously late for everything, I got back from a DJ gig and got your text that about to play Prince right now. I was like, I'm on my way over. So I drive to Manhattan to spin, get out the car, and I forget who from the show was outside smoking a cigarette. But I run, and I was like, Am I too late? Am I too late? And she's like, wait, you just missed him. That, that was him. And I looked uh, in the street and in the SUV, he was there and pulling off to a red light. I was like, hang on, wait. And I run. <laughs> and straight up, Grey Poupon style, I'm like knocking on the door. <laughs> and the window rolls down slowly. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Wait. It's over. It's over. What happened? And and seriously, he's a ask your boy. And then this thing, the window goes slowly up, just like the Great Pond commercial. It just takes off. And to, <laughs> takes off. The only thing I noticed that he had the paddle with him. Yeah, and it was a gold paddle. And later that I I learned that he is that obsessed with it. We did a show with him in Carousel. Uh, we well, I'll rephrase that. We were supposed to do a show with him. We did it. We showed up with him. This is the weirdest lineup ever: Dinah Ross, Toto, Los Lobos. What, dude? Dinah Ross. Who booked this? God. <laughs> Dinah Ross, Los Lobos. Tell you see this. Toto, Journey, Ugh. Prince. What? The Roots. <laughs> Bravo. And Carousel. And he was supposed to do a three-hour set, then The Roots, right? Yeah. Nah. Prince don't play that. No. Prince just wound up doing a five-hour set. I was say, and no Roots. <laughs> <laughs> we, like, defiantly, like, we still don't, you know, trying to, like, yeah, we still going to perform. And we did, like, one and a half. We just stopped the song. Like, all right, what, y'all want the seed? Okay. We'll just do the seed <laughs> and do go the hit. Just do the hit and go home. Yeah. It's, like, it's at this point, two <laughs> in the morning. Over. No. But, the, the the place holds like eight thousand people. I swear to God, it was like thirty five people. Yeah, they all split once Prince left. Like we just stopped. Like y'all, the seed. Okay, okay. No, but what's the one the the DJ night with Prince? Remember that that one? Yeah, it was he he. That's the best story I've heard. I love that one. I was okay. So I was on I was on a blind date, and um, I wanted to appear cool to be cool and so um i asked this you know like uh 
I got tickets to Prince. You want to see it? And I had 10 tickets. And me not thinking, I invited, I said, oh, I got 10 tickets. So I invited 10 of my friends. I never counted myself as one of the 10. So when we get there, it's like, here's your ticket, here's your ticket, here's your ticket, here's your ticket. And I was like, nine, ten. So, and this is beyond sold out. So they're in, and I had the number of his assistant. And so I'm like, hey, um, I'm on a date, and I forgot to buy myself a ticket. So I had to explain the whole thing. And she's like, yo, man, like, no one can get in. Like, you know, Reverend Al Sharpton was trying to come down. Spike Lee was trying to say, please, anything, anything. Already you're in trouble. So he just happened to be in his own custom golf cart in Philly doing like 40 miles an hour in a golf cart like not doing donuts but like like that sort of thing and I was just like oh, just tell him straight up I said look I made a mistake da, 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 da. I had 10 friends I forgot to include myself in the 10 can I sit somewhere please and he was just like alright cool you can sit on, on the stage under the stage so the way that that stage is designed like his name like it's it's a 13 foot tall stage and so i'm literally sitting under the arrow that is his name <laughs> meanwhile my date's like sitting with my friends in the audience <laughs> but i'm sitting like under the stage and um mid show uh, his assistant comes by and says prince wants you to throw him a party and i was like i i have no resource like right now he said yeah tonight and I was like, well, well, I would have to, yeah, you can use our phones. But I'm like, I'm going to miss the concert. And now I'm just like, oh, I'm working for Prince now. Oh, so yeah. I'm like leaving the concert, going into. Now you got you to throw them a party. Right. So I called my friends who I normally do parties with in Philly. I was like, look, um, Prince, oh, hang on a second. He wants what? Pool table. Oh, okay. Hey, Prince wants to do a party tonight. So in like four hours, can you find me a spot? They said, we found a spot. I said, okay, now he wants a pool table. They're like, well, this is a five-story walk-up. Can't carry a pool table? I was table? like, please, can we please just make this happen? Please, please. So they had to find a detachable pool table to carry up five, five flights of stairs. <laughs> so then I rush home, get my records ready. Get there, you know, Prince is like a late party, so this party's not starting until like one thirty. And it's ten of us and we're inside and basically he wants to control the door. And you know, there's a whole grip of people waiting outside. But there's inside there's only like seventy people. The club should hold about three hundred. Anyway, so I'm playing like a bunch of like Fela, you know, West African funk music. And I'm thinking, like, okay, I'm going to educate Prince on Fela. He likes James Brown. He likes George Clinton. I'm going to play the original, you know, West African god of funk, and he'll be into it. And Prince wasn't into it. He was just like, uh, what else he got? And I was like, uh, okay. And I played another Fela song. Uh, what else he got? I was like, damn. Uh, he's like, play some of your music. And I was like, I never play the Roots in the club. Like, I'm just scared to do that because yeah, it's instant yeah. club. So I'm failing, and um, 25 minutes in, and his assistant walks up and says, here, play this. And she gives me a DVD, and it's Finding Nemo. And I was like, the movie. What am I? Yeah, the movie. Not the soundtrack. The actual movie. And I was like, wait, what do I? I don't. Uh, 
there's not a DVD player here. She says, oh. And she comes back, gives me a portable DVD player. And I was like, well, I said, it's a nightclub. They don't have a, his engineer gives me, like, the chords. I said, yeah, but there's no projection. There's a projection screen. So suddenly, I put this thing on, but I'm still DJing. So I figured, like, he just wants the visual of, like, the fish playing in the background. Yeah. And then they come over, and they're like, no, no, no. Uh, Can you turn the volume up? I was like, wait, we're in a (laughs) nightclub in Philadelphia. He wants to watch Finding Nemo. And he's like, yeah, just, you know, just kill the music and put the thing up. And I was like, oh, no, you ain't set me up. So I got the opening DJ guy. I said, look, um, in about five seconds, do the transfer and put up the. So suddenly we go from like this this funk music talking about protesting the government in, in Nigeria to suddenly like Ellen DeGeneres' voice. <laughs> <laughs> he just wants to watch Finding Nemo. Yeah. And it was like. It, Play pool. It didn't affect nobody and his crew. Like this happens. All the time. Every day. And I'm just sitting there dejected. <laughs> Like no one has this story. No one has this story. That is the greatest. I just sat there like, yo, dude, like you're playing Finding Nemo in the club, like popping bottles in a and and you remember the club back in like 2004? Like it was sexy back then. And, nah, he wanted. We were watching Pixar in the the cl- club. Are you the <laughs> club? Are you? Did you read Beautiful Ones yet? Yes, I read it, and, and it. It's ah man, it makes me so sad. Like he he wrote that. Normally, when people write books, you do it with a collaborator. Like with me, it was like going back to school, like chapter for chapter. Like my guy would say, like, okay, write about the first time he bought a record, and then I write something, and he goes and okay, it's run on sentence, da 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 da, whatever. Or traditionally, you just do a a twenty hour interview with someone, and then they write the words in yeah. your voice. Um, but he wrote that book and he only wrote 30 pages but it revealed so much about at least up until the age of four which you know could have been but he took a lot of photos like so there's a lot of unanswered questions uh about his childhood uh Maya Rudolph is really going to love this book because there's I guess if Instagram were out back then Prince would have been on Instagram instead like he just kept photo books of all the albums he made like the process of making it like my breakfast uh my engineer sleep on the couch again drive so there's a there's a picture where he Prince is driving down sunset and there's a big giant ad of Minnie Ripperton's new album stay in love like on Sunset Boulevard and uh Prince is waiting at a red light and Flash takes the photo it's a perfect shot like this would have been his iPhone back in 1977. Yeah. And the caption was like, this woman could cause a car crash. And I was like, oh, man, Maya She's Rudolph is really, to... really going to love that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Did he ever know that she loves him that much? Oh, definitely. I think. Yeah? Did they ever? Yeah, have... because uh, he talks about, uh, even though he only covers the first four years of his, of his life, he often jumps to modern references. So there's a there is a mention of him watching uh the the Darling Nikki performance. Really? That is also in my top ten. That and Stevie Wonder. I was trying to figure out like what else. Oh Stevie. During Darling Do you remember Nikki. the my hear my Stevie Wonder story with you guys? Remember I opened for you guys in Atlantic City? Oh, I hate you for this man. Dude, I opened for the roots in Atlantic City and we get there and someone forgot 
James's keyboard. Is that James, it? yes, we forgot James Boyce's keyboard. So. How do you forget a, an instrument to a? We were new. He forgot his key, so we get there, and James was like, I, "I do my set." I came back, and I go, "James, what are you doing?" He's like, "They forgot my keyboard. I'm just gonna watch." And I go, "Oh." He's like, "Do you want to get a tequila?" I go, "Sure." So we get a drink, and then somebody comes back, and they go, "Hey, do you guys want to meet Stevie Wonder?" I go, "What?" They go, "He's here. He's also playing a different room venue." I go, "Oh." Let's go. So we run over to see Stevie. You leave the roots and then run see Stevie. Go ahead. And see Stevie Wonder. And I go, uh, what do you, uh, it was only like maybe, it was a meet and greet with like 10 people. He does this every time. And it's 10 yeah. people. And I go, uh, hey, Stevie, it's Jimmy Fallon. And James, like, I'm from the roots, blah, blah, blah. And I go, I'm the biggest, biggest fan. I, I, I start going through all his bits. And I start going like, ebony and ivory. And then he starts harmonizing with me. Together and I'm, you bastard, harmony. man! Dude, so then James starts go, playing the song on the on Stevie's other piano, right? So then Stevie, James is playing piano, and I'm harmonizing with Stevie Wonder. We sing perfect harmony, Ebony and Ivory, dude. <laughs> dude, jumping up and down, like what is just happening? Like, all right, love you, buddy. I'll talk to you later. We split. We we're backstage. We throw down a couple more drinks. We watch you guys the, your last song. You finish the set. You're like, oh. Uh, it was pretty good. What did you guys do? There you go. Well, I How much Stevie Wonder? I can't wait to tell you what we did, man. <laughs> <laughs> you bastards. Dude, we can go on forever with these stories, but both of us have day jobs we got to report to. <laughs> we do got to, yeah. I know. We're just going to finish this conversation on the way back. Yo, I really want to thank you for helping us. And Well, first of all, for everything you've done for me, no. personally. No, seriously, dog. Like, that was... I, I always joke... That, not even joke, because everyone asks, like, well, how did you guys manage to do the show? And I always tell them that we were prepared in the nicest way possible to say no, because we don't want to burn a bridge and be like, okay, when we have a new album out, we can come on said show. I said, but then you disarmed us in literally 10 minutes, which no human being has ever done. I mean, we've had the finest of women the finest of models, the biggest of act. There, I think there was a point where we were supposed to go fishing with uh, um, George Clooney at one point. Like, that's a typical backstage thing. Like, George Clooney's like, yeah, we're going fishing tomorrow, whatever. And, like, we're so standoffish as a group. And literally in 10 minutes, you had us doing a human pyramid. <laughs> the eight is enough human pyramid. <laughs> at UCLA. And only because Tariq was on the bottom row who, you know, his clothes are so expensive. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Tariq is actually getting his Japanese denim dirty. <laughs> and I looked at Rich like, we're not getting rid of this guy anytime soon, are we? He's like, nope. <laughs> you knew it right there. I, I couldn't figure out what you did to disarm the roots in 10 minutes flat. And I was like, oh, this, this is the next stage of my life right here. I'm watching it. But, yes, I want to thank you for that. And also thank you for helping us with our – our new uh our I'm about to say jump off like it's it's 2008 <laughs> our new jump off on iHeartRadio. thank you very much thank you by the way for changing the whole game and honestly it wasn't for you we wouldn't be i wouldn't be where i am so well, here's, really thank here's you right to back. another 25 years of magic let's do it yes yo on behalf of the team supreme who's tied up in the room next door boss bill unpaid bill fontigolo uh laia i love you laia 
Anyway, I heart you. Yes, we are I heart. Oh, and Sugar Steve. Yes, I forgot about Sugar oh, Steve. No, you can forget about him, though. No, I, I did that purpose. Steve knows <laughs> I love him. Anyway, this is Quest Love. We'll see you on the next go round. Quest Love Supreme. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.